The thoughts, views, and opinions expressed by us are ours and do not reflect those of our employers, co-workers, family, or friends. While we have conversations about various topics, any mentions of drugs, sex, religion, politics, and the like that offends anyone should be considered satire and for entertainment purposes only. And yes, we can get a little toxic. So if you're easily triggered, have unresolved trauma, can't take a joke, or don't enjoy adult conversations, you've been warned. Listener discretion is advised. We hope you enjoy the show. Yeah, man, we here for another episode, episode four of the BLC Pod, the His and Hers edition. What it do, SNM? What's up? Well, so I'm excited. Episode four. So I'm working on that. You know, I want to be louder, but I feel like it'd be inappropriate to be too loud for it. But anyways, um, I've actually spent the week like looking at some of the comments that we received through our um, on the YouTube channel. And I got to say that some were very entertaining. I appreciate the comments. Right. And I think it's great that people are responding and some folks are resonating. Some folks not so much. But I'm also going to say that um, I found that I'm actually being educated through the comments as well. Right. Mm, And so. Right. I was shocked. Like, for example, with struggle love, we had that conversation about struggle love. And, um, you know, back in the day, struggle love actually did mean something differently from what it meant today, how we use it today, which we tend to speak to like finances. But back in the day, struggle love basically meant struggling to love somebody despite how much they hurt you. Right. Mm -hmm. And some other stuff. Right. It was a little different connotations and so forth. And so also some folks clarify some information for me. Like, for example, I forgot that Tia has stated mm-hmm. that she graduated, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily agree with that commentary about her graduating and whatnot. But I was like, oh, right, she did say that she graduated through the divorce. But anyways, regardless, I do appreciate the folks that are commenting. I appreciate the fact that we're resonating, like I said, with some folks, other folks not so much. But more importantly, I just appreciate the fact that we can have an open dialogue. And so I find that exciting. It excites me. Is that weird that it excites me? No, but anyways. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? What you? How's you? How you doing? What's your week been like? What you think? Well, I mean, hold on. We we gonna stay right here in <laughs> to the comments on YouTube. Uh, the one thing that I want to say real quickly about that is I really wish people would watch the entire clip, right? So every short that we have, it's attached to the larger conversation, right? The goal being that you're kind of putting out salacious or, you know, little hot takes or whatever to get people to watch the entire clip. Mm-hmm. And I say that because people just take things out of context, right? They just take one minute of a conversation and feel like they know you, right? Um, and I'm like, yo, just watch the full clip. It just takes you a couple of seconds. However, I do appreciate all the people who take the time to comment, right? Because that engagement is important. And I don't even mind if it's not positive, right? So speaking of not positive, I want to take this time since you brought it up, right? You know, Mm -hmm. so like in the comments, I had a couple of dudes, you know, call me a simp, right? (laughs) So I'm like, why why do you think I'm a simp, right? I want to know, but... And and they clearly did not watch the entire clip. So I go to this one guy, right? I guess he has a podcast. And I see that in his podcast, he's talking about why men need to masturbate. Right. And I'm only calling this out because I'm like, how does the nigga who's having conversations about masturbating feel confident enough to call me 
a simp. You know what I'm saying? Like, bro, these are the conversations that you're having over there. So I wanted to clarify some things because what kills me about the people who use the word simps is that I have to do this to y'all, right? I want to preface what I'm about to say by saying that, look, I'm older. I'm in my mid-40s, right? So a lot of times I see these young brothers out here doing their thing and I salute them. I'm not one of them older dudes who want to poo-poo on the younger brothers. Actually, quite the contrary. You know what I'm saying? I try to provide some insight from a level of maturity that I've been blessed with, not by myself, but by God allowing me to live life the way that I have. And it's allowed me to be in the company of women and and more particularly a company of a beautiful woman, right? Who just happens to be my wife, right? So, So I hear these guys talking and using these words, but they don't. Speaking of like phrases that had different meanings, simp derived from the word simpleton. You know what I'm saying? Like a motherfucker who's not that smart. You know what I'm saying? Who doesn't have a complexity or level of intelligence, right? And so when these niggas use the word simp, right, in today's context, which is a guy who is maybe simping for a woman's attention, right? Typically not getting anything for it. He's putting himself out there on a lurch because, number one, that's the only way that he can get women, right? Or, and he's not, it's not being reciprocated. You know what I'm saying? He's he's the 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 dinner dude, the 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 guy that a woman calls only because she wants dinner, right? And so even by that definition, these niggas don't know me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've never had a problem getting women. I think my wife wished I would have had a problem getting women. But then I got her, so how does that work out? You know what I'm saying? Like, you must not know about me. You must not know about me. I'm going to pull some punches, right? Because today I was like, I'm going to fry these niggas up. But I'm going to just land by saying this, my brothers. Okay, first of all, know who the fuck you're talking about. Because when you don't, and then you don't watch the entire clip, and you make snap judgments, you're not able to hear conversation and differentiate between points being made. Anybody who watches our videos will know I am level-headed. I go at both sides, and I speak from the heart, and I speak from experience. So at the end of the day, when y'all get on these social media platforms to fix your fingers to call me a simp, (laughs) you must not know about me. But more importantly, you're proving that you're the real simp, at least by the original Mm. definition, right? Because you clearly do not know what the fuck you're talking about. And y'all be so proud. But I appreciate y'all. Continue. To, to drop the hate in the comment sections. And I will continue to shoot at y'all hit dogs who are hollering because I call y'all weak, pathetic-ass niggas out on the internet. <laughs> but that's all I got. <laughs> they, well, I took a light S in them. I took a light on them today. I'm feeling good. I took it, I'm feeling good. <laughs> well, all righty then. Let's go ahead and start the show. Everybody has a turn-back moment. You have a moment where you can go forward or you can give up. But the thing you have to keep in mind before you give up is that if you give up, the guarantee is it will never happen. That's the guarantee of quitting, that it will never happen, no way under the sun. The only way the possibility remains that it can happen is if you never give up no matter what. All right, so we are back. And so just right off the bat, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe. Oh, and let's not forget to share um, the pod, you know? Yes. Let's get it popping. 
I mean, you got to say it with a little bit more, oomph, like a little bit more command. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and follow. And also share. Like right now. Like what are you waiting for? Do it. Do it right now. Uh, so what you saying? I was too relaxed. I need to be like, uh, uh, you know, well, my fault. I understand. I came with the show shooting, so well, I brought you know, my gun from the previous side. <laughs> okay, let's go. <laughs> you know what? Well, speaking of shooting, somebody also shot back. Uh, mm. Last week we talked about you know who Meg the Stallion and her Megan's Law. I ain't gonna say the bar that she dropped exactly, but anyway, so somebody decided to fire back, and that was Nicki Minaj. What did you think about it? You know, what's weird is I just realized hiss rhymes with this with a Cobra theme that was brilliant on Megan's part. Um, so, yeah, I heard the Nikki joint and it was mid. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, I, I, mid is being generous to a certain extent, right? And the only reason why I would say mid most likely is because I heard, like, I think the previous version where the beat, I think it was a whole brouhaha because the beat that she was originally going to use for that song could not get cleared because the DJ was connected to Meg the Stallion or whatever, right? So she ended up having to use a different beat, and it just didn't hit the same. I was like, why did she even put this out? You know, last week I was all gung-ho to hear Meg, um, to hear Nikki respond, but, you know, like, I, I waited for this. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was lackluster. It was mid, to say the least. She could have kept that. But, hey— you know, supposedly she got some more shit in the tuck, and I'm looking forward to hearing that. But I know something that you really wanted to talk about, too, for whatever reason. Speaking about artists beefing, apparently Jacquees or Jackies or whatever, like the self-proclaimed king of r and I think he said that, right? Got into a fight with Trey Songs in Dubai, of all places, right? So what are your thoughts about Jacquees not only getting a fight with Trey Songs, going on the internet, talking about he got three strands pulled out, he called Trey Songs a rapist. It was a lot going on. What are your thoughts about that? So first of all, I was highly entertained. I didn't think I would ever see this happening, right? Because normally the little beef is com- <laughs> it's basically rap beefs. So to have this R&B beef was hilarious, especially with Trey Songs, um, basically being the one that kind of beat up the so-called king of R&B. And so, which, by the way, he is not the king of R&B. I'm just going to go ahead and put that out there. His records do not stack up to the other potential candidates for king king of R&B. But anyways, with that being said, um, I was a little, I was fascinated by the fact that they was pulling hair. And I was like, is this a girl fight? Like, I'm confused because um, this seems a little bit more catty. But then I remember that we're in the age where gender is fluid. And so therefore, masculine and feminine wow. seems to interchange. And because of this interchange and everybody do have masculine and feminine energy. So perhaps that feminine energy was being channeled on stage with that with that pulling of the hair and whatnot. It was a straight up girl fight. So um <laughs> And then for wow. Jack Queese hey, to get on. You don't love yes and them. I want no smoke from nobody. <laughs> okay, so look, disclaimer. Please refer to the disclaimer. Yes, please. All right? So we played it at the top of the hour. And so especially for what's the next up is the Beehive. And we know how the Beehive can get really mm. upset. And now we got the Swifties who's also getting upset too. So just refer to the disclaimer. Mm. And no, we, we just we, had a we conversation. We ain't scared of nobody. We ain't scared of no you know? Swifties or no Beehive. You know what I'm saying? Wait Girl, set it up and ask your question. Let's talk about it. I was keep like, it aren't buck. you a Beehive fan? Don't, don't hey man, stop running. Just talk about it, okay? I'm, I'm here to tell the truth today. I'm here to just be <laughs> as honest as possible and share my opinions regardless of my previous affiliations. But go ahead. 
<laughs> and so there was a conversation being had in regards to who moves the needle more, right? On that, on um, I think it was a podcast nightcap, and yes. um, who moves the needle more? Is it Taylor Swift, aka the Swifties, or is it Beyonce? Mm-hmm. And so I would love to get your opinion on that, particularly like I said, I know you a Beehive fan. Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, I support Beyonce and everything Beyonce. There will be no Beyonce slander on this particular program. But with that being said, I mean, listen, um, I, I heard the the comments that I think it was Shannon Sharp on Nightcap. He was basically saying that Taylor Swift, you know, uh, has had an immense impact as it relates to the NFL through dollars that he was expressing through studies that was had. Um, I think it was uh, Ocho who was like, you know, he asked who else could do it. Ocho mentioned Beyonce, and that's how the, how the whole conversation ensued. Um, I'm kind of torn a little bit because I think if you're talking about a, a, a NFL audience and bringing in new listeners to that particular audience, I guess that it makes sense, right? First of all, she's white. I'm, I'm speaking of Taylor Swift, right? And she's bringing in a bunch of young women, which is a demographic that is, is an opportunity of growth, right, for the NFL, right? I think, um, you know, so and she's dating a football player. So all of it works out differently. It's it's hard to compare apples to apples because Beyonce is a little bit older. She's married, a little bit more established. Like how, what would that look like necessarily um, for it to be a comparison? Obviously people were comparing their tours, um, comparing like their social or cultural impact. But the bottom line for me is like, when you talk about cultural impact, hands down, Beyonce, it, it's a wrap, right? Because I think from a cultural perspective, especially as black people, we tend to define culture, right? It's funny because I just saw a story about Travis Kelsey and how he, he invented the fade, right? Or some bullshit like that. So when white people finally get exposed to it, oh, they want to credit it to them. But the truth is, it originates from us. So when you talk about culture, Beyonce hands down. If you want to talk about like something niche like, you know, Taylor Swift and the Super Bowl or Taylor Swift and the NFL, so on and so forth, I think he has a valid point. So it's a split decision as far as I'm concerned, but we already know who the queen is. And like I think Kanye once said, you know what I'm saying? Beyonce had the greatest career of all time. I'm really happy for you. I'm going to let you finish. But Beyonce had one of the best videos of all time. I'm just going to say this. Um, So I am not a beehive, so I'm not a member of the beehive. Although I do agree with the fact that she is culturally relevant for us and that, to be honest, she has set a lot of um, cultural standards and norms within the game, right? Um, I.e. within the entertainment. I can say like back in the day, I think she used to dance for like practice dancing like eight hours a day just to make sure that she can perform and um and sing at the same time. So I admire her dedication to her craft. I admire that she's constantly pushing herself. And so Taylor Swift, um, I will say that within that community, I can see why they felt that, you know, maybe she have, uh, which I will not say she has done, but maybe they feel that she succeeded or um, she's better than, so to speak. Um, but it's, it's not true. It's to each their own, right? So to me, Taylor Swift is the Beyonce of her community in regards to the level of influence that she has for that particular group, right? And so I, I will admire, I actually admire the fact that um, she does have so much power that even the Republicans are actually calling her Swifties occult and um, calling for her to, for a boycott of her at the NFL because they feel like she's distracting. But is she really distracting? And at the end of the day, they both have qualities that represent their culture, their people, and so forth. And so I support it. I think it's it's 
right in the middle. She's the Taylor Swift um, or she's the Beyonce of that community and those who love her and so forth. And those who tend to like both music styles, um, they I don't see them breaking it down into like, hey, either A or B, this person is better or this person is better because they both have different aspects that they bring to their particular um, genre. So I'm going to say it's right in the middle for me as well. I can't believe you said Taylor Swift is the Beyonce of her community. Girl, stop it. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to just shake it off. That's that beehive <laughs> you know? coming out. I'm gonna just, That's that beehive. How do you, <laughs> you can't compare, right? Like some shit. Yeah, just because Taylor Swift is popular, right, doesn't mean that she she's the same. Like their stuff be super vanilla, man. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to just shake it off, right? Speaking of <laughs> shaking it off, right, Issa Rae's. Um, show rap shit after two seasons was canceled, right? And I'm sure that Issa Rae is still trying to shake it off. You see what I did there, right? I Segway did. King. But anyway, she recently sat down and had a conversation, or at least it was an article that I saw on Time that was talking about her stance as it relates to the industry, right? Um, the fact that you know the labels, or excuse me, speaking of music, uh, the 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 theaters, right, or the movie production companies are essentially like, hey, man, we're canceling a lot of these black shows. Um, kind of being a little bit more timid. A lot of times when funds are being pulled back, our community is the most affected. And so she spoke to that, especially in light of her show being canceled. So what do you think? You think it's a sour grapes? Is she, does she write in terms of the larger implications? What are your thoughts? So I actually think she is right because um, so not only was her show Rap Shit canceled, but her show A Black Lady Sketch was canceled as long as well as um, Sweet Life, Los Angeles, both her shows. But then as I dug a little bit deeper into this, it turns out HBO Max in particular has canceled a variety of shows from Love Life, The Gospel Girl remake, Legendary, Chicago Southside, Grownish, and... um. It was fascinating because these shows all got like 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, were very popular with their audience and so forth, but they still got canceled. And um, one of the shows that's not HBO Max, but like The Wonder Years um, was canceled as well. And I thought that was a pretty interesting take on the same thing. But I know in the beginning when they first had it come out, there's a lot of backlash, um, backlash from because I was like, well, why did you do a remake with black people? You didn't have to do everything it has to be a remake with black people. So we, of course, know who that backlash came from. And so it's not surprising. There's a study published by Variety. And yes, I know we need to take that with a grain of salt. But to be honest, we need to take all studies with a grain of salt that cited that while many of the studios pledged during after the George Floyd incident, right, which we all remember that triggered like a boycott, multiple boycotts, it fires in the city, like just all type of stuff. But anyways, um, there was a lot of studios that pledged that they would go ahead and create more diverse content, have more diverse filmmakers. And it manifested itself from that time frame of 2020 to 2023. But now there's always a pendulum that swings back. And it's like, oh, well, we're getting rid of all our DIA um, executives. We're getting rid of now that we We've so-called satisfied this requirement, um, but the studies show that there was actually a lack of consistency in regards to the pledge that they made. And in fact, they really didn't have a lot of filmmakers come into play. And so I'm just going to say that it was just as short-lived as our boycotts of today. Um, but I think that she has a valid point. I would love to see more independent um, black media platforms, studios, and so forth coming out. And because sometimes instead of wanting to seat at the table, we should build the table, right? Instead of wanting the crumbs, let's go for the pie. 
And so I support it. I think she's valid and she should do what she did. Like she started off with her YouTube channel. What was it? The um, Awkward Black Girl. And that's what basically made her exceptionally popular and got her to where she is today. So leverage that. Did you watch Rap Shit, by the way? So I did not watch Rap Shit, but I did watch a Black Lady sketch. Stop right there. Okay. I asked that question in particular because I was watching, I think it was a video by Melanie King, I think her name is. Melanie, Melanie King. Um, And in her video, she played a clip from Bill Burr that was talking about the WNBA. And it was a really funny sketch that Bill Burr did. He talked about how... You know, the reason why the WNBA pay inequality is what it is, is that not enough women support the WNBA. It was a really hilarious skit, of course, in Bill Burr's kind of way. And it got me to thinking that there's some validity to that, right? I mean, obviously, we can't watch everything. We can't support everything. I'm sure you supported other works by Issa Rae, right? But I barely even heard of rap shit. I don't even know how I ended up finding it, right? I know we were probably looking for something to watch. It wasn't quite the buzz that it was for Insecure, right? So we as a community, because, you know, we make shit hot, whether it's on Twitter or whatever, we make shit hot. And for whatever reason, like, this was not made hot. So a lot of people, probably like myself, weren't aware of the show. We didn't get turned on to the show until the second season, right? So the promotion for it, and obviously you had a writer strike. So there's a, a bunch of different things that are happening. So I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying. <clears throat> However, I'm adding to... The fact that I don't, we have to support our shit too. It's it's incumbent on us to support it, right? If they give us the green light and the opportunity for us to get it out there, whether it's through social media, whether it's through like watch parties, like we have to be able to tap into us because it's going to take us to validate mm-hmm. that the content is popping because we all know like everything else, once it elevates into pop culture, they want to be, you know, jump on the bandwagon. So I don't know that a lot of her projects were being supported by us. Many of us may not have been aware of it. So I do think that's a part of it too, right? It's not simply just sexism or racism. Of course, that's a part of it for sure. But the other part is, is that if you have a show that's, you know, towards a particular audience, then you have to have that audience support it in order for them to want to continue to do it, right? Some shows cross over, but not all. And although I loved or enjoyed rap shit, I can see how the audience for that would have been a little bit limited because you're essentially kind of recreating the city girls, right? Kind of loosely. And I believe one of them were involved, was involved with the show. And so it's great, but like, who's all going to be interested in that? to a certain extent. So I just think we got to do better in terms of supporting our shows and our programming and most importantly, make us aware of it in the first place and using social media to kind of, you know, to do that basically. So I would agree with that, but I also will say that part of that, that part of that is due to HBO and Max when they merge, whatever the case may be, the marketing strategy that they may have had and the lack of marketing strategy. So basically it would have been on the cast and so forth and perhaps Issa Rae to make sure that she marketed better. But I will also note though that black shows have a tendency to build networks. And then once we build it up, those shows tend to be canceled once. Like, for example, I think it was originally like FX. It was a bunch of black shows, same with the CW network, bunch of black shows. And then once it got elevated to a certain point and they were able to either couple it, like I believe it was, um, was a Rupert Murdoch, I believe his name was. Uh, I know that's what his name is, but anyways, who had 
bought out, was able to buy his NBC um, NFL football contract because he used the black shows and black networks to build his network to make it profitable enough to transcend that into buying something that was bigger and better. And the minute he got that, it seemed like all the black shows went by the wayside, right? And so a lot of the popular black shows back in the 90s and early 2000s was gone um, because those channels that hosted those shows was like, hey, we got the audience that we needed. We got the support that we needed from these black shows. And now we no longer need that. So a lot of times, like look at Tubi. Um, Tubi put on anything at this point. So I know I'm making these faces because you're forcing me to do this. It's supposed to be a quick take or no, right? <laughs> Look, <laughs> I'm just saying, supposed, I'm just, I know I'm it's supposed to be a quick take, saying. but I know it's supposed to be a quick take, but I was just like, wait a minute, even though I understand the marketing and so forth, but at the end of the day, the other stuff to me, it seems a little bit more prevailing. But since you mentioned that's supposed to be a quick take and it is, I mean, we either we producing or we produce it or not. <laughs> I'm going to move on. <laughs> or we produce it or not, right? Because if we want to have the, because you went to like the 90 shows, okay? Three of her shows got hey. canceled. She feels some type of way about it. I get that. And I do get there's some truth to it. But we ain't got to go back to the 90s with it. Well, I'm not just going back to the 90s. I also mentioned Tubi. But you know what? Since you said moving on, let's go ahead and move on and say this is just another case and cost for reparations. And when these shows got put on on TV as part of the whole George Floyd um, activity and so forth, as far as people making those pledges, this could actually be seen as a form of reparation to the media was basically doing this as a form of reparation to the black community say, hey, we understand your struggle and we're going to go ahead and support you by making sure we hire more black filmmakers and black um, artists and so forth to promote. So speaking of reparations, because that's what this is, basically... Oh, that's a horrible segue. Hey, no rep- I don't care because if you, if I'm just saying, if you would have just <laughs> let me roll because you oh, are so off the marketing, okay. gotcha. yes, I'm going to go ahead and blame it's you. Not, but isn't that what women do? Isn't that what women do? We blame through. somebody else? Is that isn't that what we do? Through. You don't think I have more to say about the Taylor Swift thing? But no, I stopped and then kept it moving. But right? yet but you're no, still you talking. Go we could be moving on to the Catholic. history of colored television. Hey, I mean, we could have hey, made this a But yet we're still talking about that instead of moving on to reparations, though, right? Okay. I'm still waiting to hear about it. So anyway, <laughs> about giving people jobs. California Girl. state lawmakers introduced a slate of reparation bills on last week, Wednesday, um, including a proposal to restore property taken by race-based cases of intimate domain and a potentially unconstitutional measure to provide state funding for specific groups. And then just as a note, other states, while California is leading the way, other states like Colorado, New York, and Massachusetts also commissioned reparations studies or task force. Um, But California is actually the first one to attempt to turn these ideas into law. And so I will note that not included in this is any type of financial compensation to the descendants of black slaves, which is odd to me as every other group receive monetary compensation. But what are your thoughts on this? Well, my first thought is we're going to have to have a post-production meeting. <laughs> you still harping. What happened to this being a quick take, uh, Mr. Uh, hello, I'm that, was, that was That was one sentence, which was still a lot less than what you just said <laughs> the last couple of pieces, right? <laughs> what it doesn't include, um, listen, wake me up when they sign it. Wake me up, you know, when it passes. You know, I feel like, you know, th- this conversation has been ongoing for a very long time, right? And so kudos for California for putting this out there, right? Kudos for all those other states commissioning, you know, studies to discuss the impact and all that. But wake me up when they cutting checks. Wake me up 
when they go-go, okay? Because right now, it just sounds like a lot of talk, and the likelihood is going to be a lot of no-no, okay? So I appreciate the gesture. A lot of times, it feels like that's what these things are, but there is a lot to hash out, right? So California does it. So if I move to Cali, do I automatically get it? Do I got to be born here? How about my parents being... Like, there's just so much complexity to this conversation that it's hard for me to see in a country that we can't even decide on how quick the quick takes should be that we're going to come together and figure out reparations, even in a liberal state like California. You know what I'm saying? So wake me up before we go, go. Because right now, sounds like a bunch of hot air and likelihood of a big ass no, no. Okay. You see what you did? This, this is you. This is you right here. Okay. <sighs> the inability to let go. So since this is a year of letting go for me, I'm going to let that go. So thank yeah. you, sir. Yeah. I appreciate that feedback and comment. Maybe we should let go of slavery too, right? But that's not what reparations is about. But go ahead, though. Uh, so once again, a reparations is just basically, you know what? Let me edit down. Moving past that statement, ultimately, I support any form of reparation. I agree that wake me up, so to speak, when it's when they actually sign on the dotted line, I doubt if this will even occur in my lifetime, um, simply because right now, even the mere fact that some states have apologized for it, they're actually considering that a form of reparations because it was a verbal apology or a written apology or where the case may be. And they're like, oh, that was reparations. And so this is a really taboo topic within a certain community. And sometimes even within our own community, it seems to be taboo because people are like, oh, that's a handout. But I will note the U.S. has paid reparations to multiple groups over the course of several years to include Israel. And so and although Israel was we were not involved in the Holocaust or anything, but whatever the case may be, they receive reparations from U.S. taxpayer dollars. So ultimately, I agree with this. I hope one day we'll be able to see it. And um, I'm particularly considering that the reparation is basically for the destruction of not only prosperous black towns through bombing, setting on fire, imminent domain claims and even turning them into lakes. But also just simply show me the money. Show me the money. Big facts. And so this, this, just to be clear, I do believe in the theory of it. I do believe there should be compensation, like you said, in regards to other groups getting it. But I just do not believe in us, right? And that's not even just putting it on the government. I mean us in terms of getting behind. We've been on Clubhouse having these conversations, and we, within a small space, cannot find like common ground amongst us. Like, it becomes arguments between Eidos and all this other kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So listen, I think it's a great idea. It should certainly be done. But yeah, wake me up when it is. Nothing else for me. <laughs> Show me the money. Show me the money! Jay yes. yes. Speaking of being shown the money, let's get right into the main topics, right? These are the spaces for us to delve deeply into some of the thoughts and the issues happening not only with our favorite celebrities, but within their lives, right? So when we're delving into Show Me the Money, the first story that we have is Gail King. She recently disclosed on the Pivot podcast that she was dating a guy and after about two months of dating, homie came to her and was like, hey, what's happening? I got a little, you know, a little, little situation. And uh, can you loan me four, 4K? And uh, she's like, hey, do you mind if I ask? And he was like, hey, what's up? And she was, and he was like, well, is apparently it was for child support and furniture, you know, a furniture bill. So she, you know, wrote him a check and he paid her back when he said he was going to pay her back. I believe it was a Sunday and then Thursday. He's like, hey, I'm going to give it to you by Thursday. He gave it back to her. But for her, just simply asking 
was a turnoff, right? And that kind of started a conversation in regards to like, should that be enough for a woman to kind of dispel a dude, right? Because I mean, if it was rocking for two months. So what are your thoughts about 4K Gate? 4K <laughs> Gate. You going to roll the clip for 4K Gate? <laughs> yes. Oh, look at, look at that. Yes, you're absolutely right. Let's go to the clip first. And then we'll come right back on the other side. I went on a date and I was really excited, very uh, excited about it. We had gone out maybe two months and then he said he really needed to talk to me. Uh, he wanted to have a private conversation. Okay, sure. What is it? Do you think you could lend me $4,000? Mm. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> He jumped out with 4,000 out the gate? Though? I know. It's so he funny. didn't test oh, the water? You, you know what Oprah said? Oprah said, God, I would have felt better if he had said $40,000. <laughs> <laughs> you just went in your purse. Here you go. Here you go. Get out of here. <laughs> I don't carry cash. Yet, but... He just then... asked you to cash app him now. Huh? You just could have cash tapped him now. I know, guys, but I was so crushed because here's somebody who was making, you know, six figures, successful. And when I said, you know, could I ask what it's for? He said, yeah, it was for uh, a, a child support issue and to pay uh, a payment on some furniture. And Oprah goes, oh God, this is just getting worse. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you, SM. And I hope you, you don't look at me differently for forgetting to go to the clip. But speaking of Gail King, do you think it was cool like for her to think differently that, oh boy. Now, mind you, he borrowed the money and he paid it back when he said he was gonna pay it back, which was a couple of days. But then, you know, the relationship did not work out. And apparently, I don't think that Gail King ever met someone that she thought was worthy of having a long-term relationship with or getting married to. So what are your thoughts in regards to what you heard about Gail King? So I have mixed feelings. Like, one, I can understand why she basically didn't have any respect for this guy. Uh, because within two months, like, who asked to borrow $4,000 within two months of meeting somebody, right? And you're supposed to be dating. And so, to me, that's not a good look, personally. And But it also wasn't a good look that she went on, she put him on blast, right? Because he paid it back in a timely manner. In the time that he said he was, she could have kept a relationship, as in dropped him. But she didn't have to put him on blast because I'm sure he watched that interview was like, she talking about me. And um, and because he basically was a stand up guy in regards to paying her back. Now, as far as being relationship material, the fact that he came at her asking her for money right off the back, like two months, like how many dates did they have? Was it uh, was it consistently dating? And so and then it was for child support. So you asking somebody another woman for child support and furniture. You got a furniture bill that you need me to help pay. And I understand that he didn't have the money at the time. I don't know if it was days later, like you stated. It probably was. Who knows? <laughs> probably was. But she regardless, said out of her own mouth. <laughs> that's why I said I said probably was. And so, but regardless, it's just the fact that how you gonna come to a woman you just met and ask her for four K? Like, really? Is this what we doing? Is this what we doing in this day and age? We ask money right off the back, four K. Can you help me out? Let me pay. Help me pay my child support, and so and my furniture. So. I don't know. I just thought that I would, it was a lack of respect. And as far as she felt a lack of respect for him. And if she, it can go into a conversation like, oh, she could have held him down, but held him down for what? She not, that's not, they weren't in a committed relationship. So I think she did cool dropping him. I ain't gonna lie. Cause I would have been like, cut, cut, cut. But however, Uh she was shysty for doing the whole putting him on blast though. I'm glad she didn't say his name. That's where you draw the line, huh? <laughs> okay. First of all, before I call Cap, 
right? I, I got I got before I call Cap on some of this, right? Before I call Cap, I want to first give Gail some grace, right? Because you know we've seen Gail; she had a couple of moments that I wasn't really feeling, um, like the Kobe thing, for example. But you know we got past mm-hmm. that, right? And so I, I did, but I didn't know a lot about Gail until I heard this story, right? So I didn't know like her past relationship history or nothing because I feel like a lot of times we come on here, not we, but people come on the internet and they want to just attack people, right? So I'm like, let me look into Gail because on the surface. I was like, well, she's not married. I don't know that she ever was married. So let me look into her, right, to a certain extent. So I actually did look into her, right? Pause. And um, I recognized that she actually was married, right? Um, she was married, I think, for about 13 years. I think she had a couple of kids um, around, like, the early 1990s. She caught her husband in bed with another woman, right, which precipitated their divorce. And then ever since then, I think she's just kind of been dating. And maybe I think she was associated with not only that guy, but there's another guy that I think we all know to a certain extent. I'm like, oh, she she dated him for a little bit. Oh, oh, Cory Booker. I think she was associated with dating Cory Booker, right? So I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to give her some grace because I feel like if you've already been married and you have kids and you're obviously married to your career to a certain extent, I can understand a woman like her not prioritizing relationships. I mean, she is best friends with, you know, Oprah who, you know, has Stedman, but we don't know what the fuck that really is. Be it or not, he ain't heard that from me. I ain't want to gossip. Right. So I was going to kill her at first, but I'm like, nah, she done been through relationships. She's been betrayed before. Right. And so dude asked her. So I want to kind of take it off of her a little bit. Right. Cause dude asked her for the money. The thing, well, before I take it off of her, Okay. Um, she had, there was an interview with, in, in, in the rest of that interview, she talked about how the dude was successful. Um, he made over six figures and spoke very highly of him. So I guess a part of me was like, if you thought that highly of him was impossible that he just had like a one-time situation that occurred. Right. But here's the part where I feel like I want to call cap a little bit because the question I'd have for her is, were y'all fucking right? That's, that's an important thing to note. Right, because I feel like a nigga would not maybe ask you to borrow that money unless he felt like he laid it down. He he felt he it's possible that he felt like the relationship was at the point because you stressed the two months, but we're not gonna act like women don't get married sometimes in less time than that. We're not gonna act like when you are already dealing with somebody, you spend a night at his house and vice versa, you spend all this time together, that two months might not feel like an eternity for a relationship that both of you are enjoying. Right? This that's the part where I want to call Cap because that's the question I want to ask. Like, what made him feel comfortable? Did you have sex with this man? Did you spend nights with him? Did the is it possible that the relationship felt like Wow, we've only known each other for two months, but it's amazing. I'm really vibing with you, right? Because if that's the case, because most of the concern that I heard from people was, oh, it was too soon. But I also heard some of those same people say, well, if he was my man, of course I'd have his back, right? If he was my man, my man, my man, right? So who's to say that he they weren't moving like that? Right? Because I just can't imagine a dude who's not fucking, who has not gotten to a certain point in his life, right? Who's not presenting a certain type of way, being able to feel comfortable going to get okay for 4K. You know what I'm saying? I do. I agree. It was a lot. Would I do it? Probably not. I would have maybe had to get a payday loan or something, right? Had he played it off three or four months later, right? Like in terms of he borrowed somebody, had him pay you back in four months, continued the relationship with her, got the 4K back, paid the other person, but now she's in a relationship and she's okay with it. She might be remarried right now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> she she might that might have been the dude for her. But I'm I'm gonna say this real quick, right? Try to try to wrap it up. Two things. One. 
There was a study or a lady that I saw on the internet, she was talking about a study where basically they asked men and women, like, what are some of the reasons that you would not go on a second date with somebody, right? And that study, men had reasons like, oh, attraction, personality, or engagement, whatever, right? Very simple, maybe three to five things, right? Conversely, the women said that when it came to women, they had a list of several hundred, a couple of hundred at the very least. Things like, oh, if he wears a black belt with brown shoes, right? The, the level of fickleness that I hear sometimes when it comes to how women disqualify people, when she said that study, true or not, I'm sure it's out there, Google it. But I think most of us would agree that when you hear some of the reasons why women move past you know, men, it's like for some of the dumbest shit. Right, like it's it's like in the grand scheme of things, is it a representation of who he is as a man, how he's going to treat you, et cetera, et cetera? Right. So if you at least agree somewhat with that, right, I think that's the point I really wanted to speak to was not Gail King. Hey, girl, you made your choice, you made your bed, you're lying in it, even if you're lying in it by yourself, right? But when it comes to women in general, sometimes disqualifying men for what seems to be fickle reason. In this case, maybe not so much, but it did give me an opportunity to call out the fact that women sometimes will disqualify dudes for the stupidest shit. In my humble opinion, and then complain and scapegoat niggas for why they are single. And lastly, I'm lying with this. I don't know if I shared this story with you, SM. But when I first, on the first date I had with my wife, obviously she wasn't my wife at the time, my car had broken down the previous semester. I was a college student, right? I pick her up in my sister's car. My sister was, you know, gracious enough to loan me her car. It was a hot pink Geo Metro Storm, the hatchback, right? With the baby seat in the back. Now, in that moment, she could have judged me, right? She could have said, oh, what the fuck is this, right? But she didn't do that. She still got a chance to know me. Now, granted, she maybe felt like she knew me a little bit or knew my swag or my vibe when we first met. But for our first date, for me to pick her up, and oh, and the kicker, the car didn't even have air conditioning. Didn't even have air conditioning. You hear me? In Florida, okay? So I say all that to say, like, if she would have maybe felt, and she had enough. Like, I would not have been mad at her, right, if she would have made that choice. But if she had made that choice, we would not be here 20 plus years later, right? So I just kind of feel like, you know, it's hard for us to know the alternate story, right? Like, had she gave him a chance and maybe, you know, so it's hard for us to see that. But the fact that she is still single, I, I get that maybe she doesn't want a relationship or a marriage in that way. But I wonder if it speaks to sometimes women will like just disqualify dudes for things that ultimately just doesn't seem worthy of disqualifying someone who you, by your own admission, and you know, acknowledge that he was successful and doing well for himself. So. So I can understand that perspective. And I agree that some women will disqualify for some stupid things. Right. I will agree with that. And so but. I just want to say that technically there are a lot of men out there who will ask for money before they even sometimes see the women. That's why you have so many women who have lawsuits against um, or are trying to have lawsuits sometimes because they don't even know the person who just scammed them, particularly the Internet scammers. And I know that's something completely different because she did know him in person. But there are men who take advantage of women and particularly when it comes to money and will ask them for money, even if they didn't have sex with them, because they're giving them guise of saying, hey, I want to be in a relationship. And this is not the case for this particular incident because she stated that he had X, Y, Z, A, B, C. And and she, by her own admission, she stated that he technically was a good guy. And so that may not be the case. However, there are, I just want to point out that there are men who do scam women out of money. And so this goes to that whole vetting process that we talk about where women need to vet. Now, yes, there are some women who use stupid criteria for vetting the women, for the vetting the men and disqualifying them. But I think finance, finances and financial criteria 
that that is worthy of a conversation and technically worthy of disqualification, regardless of where that person may be, unless in that relationship, they already established that they're in that relationship, you know, and it's not under false pretenses and whatnot. So I just want to say that in regards to vetting and so forth, because we always tell them women, choose better, vet, make sure you're vetting, look for those red flags. And in this particular case, Gail may have identified that as a red flag versus identifying as, oh, well, this is somebody who I willing to work with regardless of what's happening and so forth. There are two different tracks here real quickly. So if she's having concern about his finances based off of the ask, I totally get that, right? And she didn't say this, but to me, that's worthy of a conversation, right? Hey, listen, I'm vibing with you and stuff like that. Of course, I don't mind having your back. At least I would have had this conversation after he paid me back, let's be clear, right? Let me yeah. get my money back before I pitched it off, right? But like something my wife said earlier, like if she felt that kind of way, that why she even let him the money in the first place? But whatever, right? She's being a good person, cool, right? So I'm saying like it's one thing to have a conversation because part of vetting is trying to get understanding as opposed to like leaning on just certain judgments. So, okay, I get it. This looks a little bit weird, but hey, you you know, you seem like you have a you know, a guy who has your stuff together. I'm just kind of curious as to why you need to borrow this money. Like there's a several layers I think in a worthy conversation about that. Right? Because as somebody who's dating you, I think it's completely fair to want to understand how they spend money, their finances, so on and so forth, right? So I totally get that. But what I felt from her was it was more of this thing where women get turned off and I think it's kind of like sexually emotionally, that's not always logical, right? So because maybe he had to ask me for this money, he's less of a man in my eyes, right? I am less attracted to it. Like, I feel like there's a part to this conversation that's not really being had, that's not just logical, like, oh, of course, it's red flags. Because I feel like women oftentimes make decisions, especially in relationships, off of butterflies and emotions. You you brought up a couple of episodes about the Pookie and Ray Rays. How do you think those Pookie and Ray Rays are able to get over on what they do, right? They provide dick and vibes to a certain extent, right? So these women logically know these niggas gonna borrow the car, all this other shit. So to your own point, there are some women who are going by just dick and vibes, even if the dude is not presenting in the best way financially and otherwise. So for me, I just want to kind of call out, like, I get it. If you're coming from a logical perspective, I get that. And yes, there are discernments, but part of that is asking follow-up questions and not just making judgments, right? Snap judgments, because you don't know what could have occurred in a dude's life, right? And granted, you don't even have to be a part of that. But if y'all fucking and y'all was vibing, then I think it's least worth the conversation. But I think clearly what I got from her was her shit dropped the fuck up. Like, you know, you know what I'm saying? She was no longer feeling the nigga. You know what I'm saying? She couldn't think logically because she talked about how great he was and, you know, how much money he made and all this other kind of stuff. So it was all good green flags. But for whatever reason, I just never really looked at him the same. And to me, that says her shit. <laughs> it was a wrap for her, but we can move on. Well, I was going to say, I can't disagree with that because um, I will say once you start looking at somebody in a different manner, in a different light, then yes, it does affect the coochie juice. And so, <laughs> and when she started looking at him differently, that definitely affected it. But you know who didn't mind spending some money and uh, on on a guy, apparently? And I won't even say spending some money on the guy, but sharing the bag, we'll put it that way, Um Fanny Willis, the DA for Fulton County in Georgia. And so I know we got a clip for this, so let's hear from her. A defiant district attorney, Fanny Willis, is breaking her silence. In a 176-page filing, she acknowledges a personal relationship with Nathan Wade, the special prosecutor she appointed to lead the Georgia election case against former President Donald Trump. 
But Willis denies any financial benefit or conflict of interest, writing, while the allegations are salacious and garnered the media attention they were designed to obtain, they do not provide any basis for her to be removed from the case. All right, you heard it there. And for me, my first thought was like, damn, she admitted it. And so, (laughs) but let's run back on a little bit um, on some of the rumors that started this. So as you know, she's been um, investigating, of course, um, Trump and um, the... There's an entire special commission committee committed to the Republicans recently. um, Sorry. Hold on one second. (coughs) Sorry about that. Anyways, um, so the The story just kind of chokes you up a little bit, don't it? It just gets you right here. It just gets you right here. Well, it's just like all the the things that she constantly have to face just because she went after or she decided to prosecute Trump for election interference, amongst other things. And so it was so it's just all the information that is pertaining to this. So like um, January 26th, there were, the Republicans voted to have like a special committee to investigate her and um, Nathan. Nathan Wade, who's the person who she's accused to basically misappropriating funds for and spending taxpayer dollars uh, where they flew out to like um, in April to Miami, um, well, October to Miami and apparently April to San Francisco. And then um, so they created a bill as a part of this to basically remove a prosecutor accused of misconduct. And uh, one of this um, misconduct was that they're saying that by her relationship with Nathan Wade, that she basically tainted the case and it was 100% prosecutor misconduct, apparently, as they're alleging. In addition to the fact, and this is why we're talking about this today, the fact that he was married. And so it becomes, okay, so he's a married man. So now we can question her morally and ethically, supposedly, right? And, um, and so she basically was like, hey, the fact he was married, but he's separated now. He was separated then. We didn't have a relationship until he was separated. We kept our business separate from the pleasure side of the house. And I don't think she found herself being in the wrong in any shape, way or form as it pertains to this relationship with Nathan. And so I'm interested in hearing your thoughts in regards to should this relationship affect her, um, his ability, because they're claiming that affected his ability to be um, fair and as a prosecutor. And then also just the implication of the fact that he was married, um, although she claimed that they were separated. And I believe he claimed, too, that they were he was separated from his wife at the time that they started this alleged affair that she actually admitted to just recently. I mean, that was a lot, right, to, to get to what we really care about. Because the truth of the matter is, right, this is not a political podcast, mm-hmm. right? It's not a legal podcast either, right? So just to cast that to the side, I mean, when you shoot at somebody like Donald Trump, um, he's going to use everything in his arsenal to shoot back, right? That's what he's done litigiously throughout his entire career. So it's not a surprise that they're going to try to find something. What is a surprise is that they actually found something, right? But that's something to me. And again, I'm not a legal expert, but like, who gives a fuck? You know what I'm saying? Because at the end of the day, are they hiding evidence? Um, you know, are they fabricating evidence? You know what I mean? Like if they got, you know, evidence enough to get past a grand jury or whatever the process is and they're here now, then their case is legit. But at the same time, I'm not mad at Donald Trump's team or whoever for trying to disqualify her, right? Because you got to win at all costs. And so you're using the system to execute your game plan. So I can't be mad at that, right? But what we really want to talk about, okay, let's be honest, 
is about the fact that this is a district attorney. Isn't she the same one that's also prosecuting the yes. case against a young thug, right? Yes. So here's a prominent black woman, right, in position to not only go after the president, but a rap consortium of sorts, right? So she's doing her thing, right? And so she decides, according to her, to hire a special prosecutor to deal with the whole Trump case, right? And in the midst of all these things happening... She thought it was a good idea to fuck with a nigga at the office. <laughs> right? I yes. mean, listen, on a human level, on a human level, I do understand. Like, I'm taking them at their face, right? Face value. Taking what they said at face value, right? Um, they weren't fucking before. You know, he was just a qualified person to do the job. Those long hours of working together, going over briefs, Right? Yeah, and, which uh, getting to exactly right and getting to know each other, and then shit pops off. So on a human level, I totally understand that, and I really I want to give them grace for that. Right to the brothers' side of it, you know, he's separated, and I know separated brothers get a bad rap. But if you are not living with her, if you have taken the proper steps to le- you know literally separate. Or, I mean, shit, maybe you don't care. You know what I'm saying? But I think truly separated men move differently than pretender separated men, right? So let's assume, again, face value that he was, in fact, separated from his significant other. Is he not allowed to find love, you know, or lust, right? Cool. But where it becomes problematic, right, on both sides is, number one, for her, Right. I feel like black women, you already know, like people come for y'all. You know what I'm saying? I know it sucks as black people. We got to be damn near perfect. You know what I'm saying? Like even if these charges are trumped up, her reputation is besmirched to a certain extent. Right. I think women, just like men who are in positions of power, have to be very careful about sleeping around in the workplace. You know, when I used to run one of my shows, like back in the day, I was very mindful. Like, I didn't want to necessarily be that guy who was sleeping with people who was under his care, right, professionally, because it felt creepy, right? The Me Too movement, guys who are in positions of power who are using their power, right? So I'm not even saying that's this, but you do not want to put yourself in that position, right, as a man or as a woman, Right. But I'm saying even as a woman like sis, you know, you got it going on. Right. I get that you working long hours, but like you couldn't find somebody outside the office to sleep with. Right. Like I hope women are not sitting here encouraging or, you know, celebrating this behavior because look at her now. Right. Her career is being affected because she made personal decisions. And normally that would shouldn't be the case. But when you make those personal decisions and it involves people in your professional workplace, it's like it is what it is. Right. And and so I just, you know, I, you know, I, I feel bad kind of because I do think the human element is there. But like, yo, she got to do better and be better. Right. And lastly, for the brother's sake, I'm not even mad at the brother, to be honest with you. <laughs> I'm going to absolve him of most, if not all, responsibility in this particular matter for a couple of quick reasons. Number one, he's a subordinate in this position. You know, he could be the one that says, you know what? I was pressured, right? She gave me this opportunity. I felt beholden. He still got a couple of cards to play. Okay, that's number one, right? Again, assuming that he is truly separated. But other than that, I mean, if you found her attractive and your boss is coming on to you on some real, I might have just done it just to get a leg up. 
<laughs> See what I did there? See what I did there? And because niggas like this exist, that's even more reason for Fanny to keep her little hot Fanny away from the help. Okay? Fanny gotta do better, boo. I appreciate you, but man, you gotta do better than what you're doing out here. She's making law. Y'all look bad. Okay? City girls are down a thousand points. Thanks to Fanny. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just had to exhale on that, you know, because why is always one black woman the poster child for all black women? You know, why do we get generalized and lumped into this? Fanny did what Fanny wanted to do because that's what Fanny does. And so <laughs> let's not lump all black women into it. Although there were some very, very valid points that you made in regards to number one, don't shit in your backyard, you know. Well, unless you're an actual dog, in which case, please feel free because that's what dogs do. And so, (laughs) but you're never supposed to eat where you, was it shit where you sleep? I don't forget. I forgot the phrase. Uh, Shit where you eat. There it is. Shit where you eat. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Phrases, names. I got you. And no, you do not look different to me. You you know, you don't look any different to me in my eyes. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So... (laughs) So anyways, so I disagree with the fact that this ended up being a representation of black women in general, even though I know that's not since you just cleared that up. And so but unfortunately, let's be honest, as at the end of the day, she was a woman in a powerful position. She was under a lot of stress. She was under a lot of pressure. And so she decided to get some release from the local poo. Right. I guess it would be considered in-house panini, in-house, in-house, (laughs) in-house dick. And because they were working those long hours together and whatnot, whatever the case may be, I think my biggest issue is the fact that she knew that she was in a contentious, potentially contentious situation because she was going after Trump. She knew that they were going to dig information and keep digging until they found something. And as a matter of fact, originally when this story came across is because they was trying to spread a rumor that allegedly it was actually Governor Brian Kemp, who was having this affair with her. And um, because it was like, that's the only way he could be defending her and so forth. And but that was the initial rumor that they initially tried to spread. And that still was trying to spread this rumor. It was like, oh, wait, hold on. We've always said that there's something with Nathan. Let's look into that closer. Let's pull the finances. Let's pull the time that they spend together. Let's try to get her on misappropriation of state funds. Let's go that route because that actually seems a little bit more realistic than the fact that the governor may have slept with her or something like that, you know. And as a matter of fact, when I went to go look up to see if that rumor went past like Twitter, for example, it turned out it didn't because there was nothing there. But they was like, hey, we can keep blowing smoke and eventually we're going to find fire. She knew that they was going to keep blowing smoke. And then but she allowed them to find a flame. And it was like. Why? Just why? Because now, regardless, if we thought it was morally ethically or whatever the case may be it tainted that but like you said this is a relationship podcast and so let's get to the relationship piece of this and my issue is that you talked about separation the pretend separation and the ones who are validly separated and so I think that there is some credence given to the fact that so he can't have a he can't find love he can't get some punani on the job even though he shouldn't have got no punani on the job and she shouldn't have been offering any fanny on the job but whatever the case may be um and I think that's a valid point. And in our community, we have a tendency to be overly judgmental on the human aspect of, hey, shit happens. And 
especially when you're in a stressful situation. And so I actually would like to give grace to them both. And I also like the fact that you brought out the whole quid pro quo type deal, technically, where he was a subordinate and that power structure, because a lot of times when we think about that power structure, we never view it as woman and man. We always view it as man and then woman. So the man has the power. But in this case, she actually did have the power. So on multiple levels, it was, um, it was, it's a bad look for her is at the end of the day, but I'm going to give her some grace because both he and she are human. They're under a lot of stress. And sometimes when you're a lot of stress, things crack. In this case, it was cracking up some legs, but whatever the case may be. I'll, listen, I just want to clear up that. Well, first of all, as black people, we know when we're in unique positions that we do reflect the larger community. It's not fair. When I go into like my corporate job situation, I feel like that mm-hmm. I am representing an entire race low-key on my back or I'm fighting against preconceived notions, right? She doesn't escape that, that right? Like how many black women DAs are there? You know what I'm saying? Like at the end of the day, like, so all I'm saying is, is that we carry that with us, fair or unfair, right? And she could have done something a little bit more prudent in regards to not, you know, putting herself in that position. She's put herself in a number of positions because she couldn't find some outside pain to, to, to jump on. And I think that's fair to call out. And I think it's also fair because, you know, we've had stories where women are saying, you know, we're not giving opportunities and so on and so forth. But you do understand that people use like stuff like this to say why women should not be empowered. Right. You do understand that. Right. Thanks. And so in the age of Me Too and all that, like we're we're skipping past the point of her as a woman having sex with her male subordinate or someone that, you know, answers to her. Is that cool? It's cool when it's men, right? But we wouldn't judge it if it was the other way around. If we knew that the district attorney was having sex with his, you know, we, we the outcry would be ridiculous, right? Because we know that that power structure exists and that sometimes people succumb to it, right? So for me, I'm just saying, hey, sis, any women out there, the peen is not worth it. Right. It's not worth your profession. It's not worth the power. It's not worth any of those mm-hmm. things if you value those things. Right. But you then make it fair for people to question your judgment when you exude this type of behavior. And that's OK for us to call out. Right. And lastly, it's about the point of him being separated. I said I understand that. Yeah, he's allowed to do X, Y and Z. Right. But I also under, understand women who feel like, well, get your divorce cleared up first and then we'll holler. You know what I'm saying? The separation just means that y'all legally separate does not mean a divorce. So if you were a woman who was sitting there trying to look for a man that you feel like you might have a future with, now if you just fucking and you just release the stress, do your thing. Right. So, but I also like, so I try to be fair to men in regards to, yeah, brothers should be able to because there are guys who pretend to be separated. They give a bad name to the guys who actually are separated, who are going through a process because some states do require a separation period mm-hmm. before divorce. Right. So, if he's legitly there and y'all vibe and cool, but just be mindful that he's technically not divorced. And I'm okay with women saying, hey, bro, the vibe is there. Yeah. But we can get back to it when you finish up that paperwork because I'm not going to jeopardize myself and find myself in a situation where you decide to change your mind and now I'm falling in love with you, let alone maybe get pregnant by you, or let alone torpedo my career for something that never materialized in the first place. That's just me looking out for y'all. You're welcome. I agree with all of that. <laughs> Speaking of looking out for somebody, because somebody need to be looking out for this young man, Jalen Green, okay? Apparently... Drea, the Drea, Drea, Michelle, uh, apparently, supposedly, is dating a young brother who plays ball for the Houston Rockets, um, Jalen Green. Let's check out the clip, and then we'll come back on the other side. We're talking about this specific situation right here. Where Drea looks nuts. 21-year-old 
that might have had your poster on his wall his yeah. entire high school career. Very rich. He he might have had your your high school poster. I mean your poster on his wall in high school. He knows who you are. He probably is looking like the Don Dada to his friends, and you know that. And he's your son's age, and you are potentially having a sexual relationship with somebody. That and is as your a son's woman, age. you can't give a real opinion about a forty-year-old woman having a kid that's the with a, with somebody the same age as they kid. Now, there's a lot of people who've talked about Drea being a predator to a certain extent. I believe she's like in her 40s, maybe 39, 40, somewhere thereabouts, right? And the brother's 21. He plays ball. So, you know, he's supposed to be coming into some money. I don't believe he's gotten his big contract yet, but he will be getting it, right? And Drea's had a history of dating athletes, right? From I forgot the Dallas Cowboys player that she dated. She may currently be dating somebody, but who knows? But apparently there was a rumor around about her being pregnant by this 21-year-old. Some people felt like, yo, she was being predatory. And then she responded recently. With a picture of her showing her belly, like, hey man, I'm still fit. Because I, I think the rumors about her being pregnant came from her wearing overalls to one of the games, and people thought, oh, she might be hiding something. So that kind of started the conversation. So then I guess she retched back around and was like, uh uh-uh, uh, y'all, look at my belly, look at my belly. So, what are your thoughts? I mean, even if she's not pregnant, right? Or assume that maybe she was pregnant. Just your thoughts as a mom of a young, of a young man, right? For a woman who's in her 40s. And she's dating a young man. Um, excuse me? She's 39. I mean, come on. She's damn near 40. You ain't had to, you ain't had to you know, interject with that shit. She's damn near 40, right? So, okay, fine, 39. So how would you feel if your 21-year-old son, uh, you know, was a basketball player or whatever, uh, NBA, you done raised him, put all this work in for somebody 39, close to your age, you know what I'm saying, trying to date him, let alone bear his children. What are your thoughts on this? Okay, so first, when she posted a picture of her in a bikini saying that she's not pregnant, I'm going to go ahead and throw a grain of salt on that because um, you don't start showing until you're about four months anyways, at the minimum, right? Four or five months. And so posting a picture now won't mean nothing four months later if we see her with a belly. So I don't know if she if it's a rumor uh, as far as if she did it or not, because like you said, it's a rumor. Um, but so I don't know if I'll call her a predator, even though we do tend to call those folks predators when the relationship is verse. Um, but I'm going to say she's technically a cougar because according to the Red Pill folks, older women have no choice but to seek younger men because the men their age don't want them. And so, and it looks like the young men um, seem to be enjoying the older woman company, aka the cougars, due to their experience, probably their money, maybe even the, and I'm, but I'm going to lean more closer to that sexual experience they seem to be enjoying. I don't know for sure, but 21 is a bit young. And I cannot see any woman actually dating someone that that's near the age of their child because I have a 21-year-old. And I'm going to be honest, let him come home with somebody that's significantly older than him. I'm going to question this woman. And uh, she may be getting checked at, at some point. So <laughs> if you listening to this, my son, just know that and keep that in mind. Mama don't play. But anyways, um, but he's technically legal, uh, legally grown. So while some folks may see, including me, feel that it's morally wrong, it's not technically illegal, which is the argument on the other side as well, right? It's not technically illegal when we see a 40-year-old man with a 21-year-old girl. We may say it looks morally and ethically wrong, but it's not illegal. And so I don't think either of them are looking for marriage. So it seems like they're both just having fun. And it's just... They seem to be just both having fun. I personally don't endorse it. And I do think that low key, it may be predatory in nature. But nowadays they call them cougars. And like I said, folks said, women our age, we need to look for younger men because the old men, a.k.a. men our age, don't want us.
Um, well, let me speak to that real quick because that's a bunch of bullshit too, right? <laughs> like niggas be just talking these theories. No, I mean, for real, for real. Like a lot of the times the reason why men may not want women is because those women aren't attractive, right? What we don't want to talk about is the aging process, which sometimes includes gaining weight and so on and so forth, right? So if I'm 46, I see a woman who's 42. If she's attractive, I'm going to still go, Right. But there is some truth that over time, if people are not keeping themselves up, um, they may be less attractive to their counterparts. Right. But I hate the argument because it's theoretical. Each woman is going to present themselves differently and give the opportunity to find somebody who's going to rock with them. Right. Because a majority of men who had a certain stature, uh, you know, especially if they're already married, they're typically going to be married to women around their age group. Right. For the most part, I've heard a lot of guys talk about how, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's cute to look at a little thing thing, but what do you have in common? You know what I'm saying? Can she be in your circles? Can she move the way we just talked about how Christina Mackey be out here moving, right? So I just think that people underestimate how guys, uh, especially of a certain level, appreciate women who are refined and mature, right? We still want them to be attractive, but we don't want them to be like our kids, right? We might fuck on them, right? So that's one. I just wanted to dispel that, right? Shout out to all the internet losers out there for watching. Um, and so this, that's number one. Number two, um, I don't disagree with you. Like I know it for me as a young man, I like older women. So when I was 21 and probably even younger than that, I engaged with older women. So, you know, I think it's a tough conversation to have because we assume that young boys or young men are a little bit more sexually mature, although we then flip it and say that women are mature in other ways, right? Because that's the only excuse that I could think of aside from the double standard where we can see a woman who's 39 like Drea, who's very experienced, right? And we see a lot of people get taken advantage of, especially athletes when it comes to finances, mm -hmm, for example, mm -hmm. right? These young men, yes, they're men. They're they're in, in, endowed with all this money now, right? And so, but there are still people who take advantage of them, right? Grown-ass adults who understand they have a uh, advantage in terms of maturity, knowledge, and so on and so forth. And so we don't like it when it happens there, right? We don't like mm -hmm. when these athletes, these young men are being taken advantage of when it comes to financial advisors. So I don't also like it if it's a woman, because I think a woman has more power to be able to, to convince, you know what I'm saying? Young men to do certain things, right? The power of the P-U-S-S-Y is a thing, right? Drea is stunning. Like, you know, she's a beautiful girl, right? So, you know, I can, I can imagine that young man maybe had a picture of her on his wall somewhere or as a screensaver, right? So I do think there is some predatory nature to it. I look at, it's like predatory lending, right? Anything that Preys on people who may have lesser knowledge and or experience can still, to me, be deemed as predatory, like in a human way, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not talking about the jungle where the, the tiger is out there looking for the gazelle to pounce, but that also happens too, to a certain extent, right? So I do think it does feel predatory the same way it feels predatory when men with money and stature and esteem date younger women, Right. Because what's the excuse red pill community about those guys? Right. Are they just losers who can't even get women their own age? Or do we excuse the fact that, you know, they make choices that seem like they're trying to take advantage of people because they have an advantage? Right. So to me, I think I just want to call out that part. It is an interesting conversation. They both are adults and not doing anything illegal. But I do agree, I think, with Joe Budden in regards to him calling it predatory because Dre is not just a normal woman. 
right? The same way that I kind of said that the Ariana Grande story where the young man was not the, the, the handsomest, the richest, just a regular looking guy making a career. And y'all expect him to withstand the advances of someone like these people. That's hard to do for regular, uh, you know, older men, right? So I just think that there is a predatory nature, especially when you start to add in getting pregnant, whether it was on purpose or otherwise, right? Because we all know there's gold digging girls that's driving us crazy. I can't, you know what I'm saying? She gives me money, right? So I think we can call these things out. And lastly, there was a conversation about grooming. And that I heard on the internet as well, right? Because again, when older men of a significant age, right? I think once a woman gets about 35, the whole grooming conversation goes out the window, right? But when you're a certain age, the idea that an older man can groom a younger person into whatever is a conversation that we have all the time. And I think it is possible for women to groom men also, right? So while I may not say that they're doing anything wrong, I'm calling out that in this particular case, we can rock with equality on this one, right? <laughs> in the sense that it is equal. Equally predatory, I think, for people who have a certain advantage to go after people because those people are disadvantaged. I do think that's predatory. Both men and women can exude that type of behavior. Um, and at the end of the day, yeah, they're, they're adults. But I also think that grooming could be something that happens on both sides. So I don't care if you don't like it. Um, we obviously accept one more than the other. But uh, hey, man, kudos to you, young man. Hopefully you're knocking out the park and you're strapping up. Okay. He needs some OGs around him so he won't get got. Right, because the real players can get in and get out, and you know have minimum loss in the transaction. So good luck to you, young man. Which is why I say I hope they're just having fun. I think they're just having fun because at the end of the day, uh, yes, please have protection in place, regardless. Even if you're not just having fun, and you're in it for a relationship purpose, like a genuine relationship. Uh, wrap it up, have some protection yeah. in any shape, way, or form. Because uh, I do agree with the whole gold digger comment and so forth. And so, so but, I'll put you games know, until she get pregnant. So I'm waiting to see four months later if she pops up, <laughs> if I see a little belly bump, um, because like I said, you can hide that, especially if it's a recent uh, phenomenon or a new thing that just happened and whatnot. So you can hide it. But um, speaking of something that you can't hide. Mm. Mm, that was a good one. Mm. <laughs> so Chrissy, huh? I have, you know what, as a matter of fact, I think we should just show it first mm -hmm. so you can see what she can't hide. Krishan and Blueface are back together. So even though he's in jail and won't be out till later this year, he moved Krishan back into his house and Krishan has been going crazy about him again ever since. She unfollowed her son Junior on IG just to make Blueface the only person that she's following on that platform. Now she has taken things to a whole nother level. Now we know Krishan has Blueface tattoos all over her body. But this time, y'all, she got his face biggest day on her face. All right. So as I stated, you cannot hide this bam all on your face, just all over there, just mm, in your face, blue face, blue face tattoo. And so what I find also interesting is that Blueface current girlfriend went ahead and got her own version of a blue face, but somewhere else. And I actually feel like that place was a little bit more appropriate. Mm. <laughs> right, right. I but, um, it was on her ass for people who are at home. If you're playing at home, she got a tattoo on her ass. Well, go ahead. <laughs> Which is definitely a place that it belongs. Um, but we won't say why I believe it belongs there. So we'll just keep that moving. But anyways... <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, so I'm just curious as to, I would love your thoughts on this because uh, the fact that it covered up half her face and on, and then the girlfriend following up with, I, I don't know, I just want to know, does blue face have something that most men don't have? Because I have no idea why this woman would black right there on her mm. face. And so what are your thoughts on this? I have no idea. I'm confused. The whole blue face Christian conversation still gets me like this is the most toxic ass relationship I have ever seen. I thought she was getting some mental health. Apparently mental health was not working. So what are your thoughts? Oh, man. You know, I think for the better part of this this iteration of the show and the last one, we probably stayed away from this story or stayed away from them just because, like, it's not really in our demo, you know what I mean, for the most part. Um, and the shit looks nuts, you know what I mean, in terms of their dynamic um, and watching it play out in public and then to have somebody else, right? So I kind of feel like the only way to kind of look at it, because honestly, I don't really give a fuck about them. Um, I'm at the, no, I really don't. Like, I'm not invested in them. I don't know them. And at this point, I'm just, I'm kind of curious as to why the rest of us are, right? I wonder what about this behavior, right? It, it causes us to still be engaged with them, right? Because low key, he either needs to be locked up. She needs to be locked up. They both need to be locked up. I don't think she has any real talent beyond just being drunk and disorderly in public. Um, you know, his music career, whatever that was, seems to be second nature or second uh, uh, backseat to all the other shenanigans that he got going on. So it's really hard to like figure out why we still care. Like, are they on somebody's particular reality show or they have kind of cracked the code to kind of create their own reality show as it relates through Instagram stories, right? So if we did not give them any attention, would that die, right? Like if a flame does not have oxygen, then eventually it kind of dissipates, right? It withers away. So I just kind of feel like, you know, and I also wonder like, with them getting as much exposure, is this a dynamic that the young kids are looking at and somehow uh, romanticizing, right? It's funny because I remember thinking about how we all was like, we want that Bobby and Whitney, right? And it wasn't until later, I think with a reality show where we saw them and it was like, holy shit, what the fuck is going on? And then that whole thing kind of dissipated, right? So on the surface, toxicity, you know, the toxicity, her dedication, you know, fighting back and forth and her doing what she did with the whole tattoo thing, like all of that, there might be some young kids who are looking at this behavior and feel like, hey, I want that. And that to me is the saddest part. Because if it's just strictly for entertainment, um, despite the the people in the circus getting hurt, the rest of us are just watching it because we're enjoying it or whatever, then that's there's a problem there too. Like what is it about us that we want to elevate or celebrate? Or not celebrate, but we we pay attention to these types of things. It's just the whole thing is is sad to me. I hope it doesn't turn out as bad as it possibly can turn out. Um, I think what we're watching exhibits some level of like trauma, bonding, trauma creating, and then bonding again. Like it's just this whole shit is crazy. So it's not of our ilk. But I do think it's worth calling out that it's easy to look at an example like this and for people to say, don't do that, don't be that. But there's different variations of this that people are seeing every day and we look past it and sometimes we romanticize it. So I think it's good to call this out as one of the extremes. But when you talk about violence, when you talk about like um, dependency behavior, when you talk about drug use, right? When you talk about just moving a certain type of way recklessly, you have prison involved. There's enough here for this to be a super cautionary tale. And I guess I just wish and I wonder like if we just stop paying attention to them. And the fame or the money or the clout or whatever dissipates, would they be forced to look at themselves and hopefully deal with their issues and, and move on? Because I think we we all are playing a part in, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Keeping it alive. 
Yeah, we're we're playing a part. So that's why personally I don't like talking about them, but I do think at some point you got to say something. Um, and the fact that this is happening for all all of us to see, I think it's at best a cautionary story. So I figured we had to mention a little something, something about it. And, and last but not least, I got to say this too. The nigga is, is dropping off some good peen, apparently. Like, I mean, I think, you know, we like to bring up celebrity stories in order to peel back some layers or maybe find uh, a storyline here. Ladies, okay, if peen can do this to you, step away from the peen, okay? If peen can have you out here thinking about getting a tattoo on your face of a crazy nigga like, then, then step away from the peen. Okay, that's my public service announcement for this episode. Um, I believe the appropriate term is a dick whipped. And so um, she may be exhibiting that behavior. And I agree with you 100% that this is some trauma bonding. I think the reason why that is so fascinating to some people, um, I usually avoid this particular topic as well. And I'm glad that we are addressing it, though. I think is part of it is the whole fascination with the, the car wrecks, right? So you know how when you're driving a highway and there's a wreck and there's an automatic urge for some people to gawk at it? Like, you know, and I, I think that's what it is. It's like basically watching a in-person car wreck, right? Um, but with people instead or a train wreck or whatever the case may be, because we have a tendency to flock to those type of situations. And I think that's part of it. And so I like the fact that you mentioned the trauma bond because I believe that's what's really happening here because basically a trauma bond for those who's not even familiar with the term, it's like an unhealthy emotional attachment to someone who causes you physical, emotional, and sometimes sexual harm. And I think both of them are trauma bonded to each other. And and so that abusive relationship, that abusive partner fluctuates between both of them and becomes extremes of affection, extreme hate, extreme abuse, and it's just a repeated cycle. And that's actually concerning. And it is a cautionary tale. And I hope that people are paying attention to this cautionary tale because these things don't tend to end positive. They don't end with happy ever after. They have a tendency not to end with roses unless it's on a coffin because the person has passed away due to domestic violence, right? Or due to obsession, possession, stalker. And so I'm not a psychiatrist, but I wouldn't be surprised if she suffers from a, both of them, to be honest, a variety of disorders like maladaptive behavior disorder, abandonment issues, and of course, depression and anxiety. And a lot of that is triggered from her childhood trauma and maybe his childhood trauma as well. I think at the end of the day, I hope they both get help. This is a clearly situation where they're better apart, but for some reason, this toxicity, that trauma bond between the two of them keep drawing themselves back together. And now this third party, this third party, this third person, the new girlfriend, for whatever reason, she's feeding into it. And I think the more publicity that we give to their story, the more likely they are going to act the ass and be a fool. And so and versus getting the actual help that they need. So I do agree that we may need to distinguish the flames a little bit. And stop giving them that air. Stop giving them that visibility because ultimately the shenanigans is going to go by the wayside and they may end up getting the mental health that they apparently both need. 
Yeah, 1,000%. I think we covered that. So kudos and thoughts and prayers to everybody in the situation. We wish them nothing but the best. Speaking of wishing them nothing but the best, as well as hoping that they're not causing each other any more trauma because we all know divorce can be a difficult thing. This is kind of a callback. So for today's lost last take, we're talking about Tiana Taylor, right? Because we did cover her last season when we were doing a different iteration, right? And part of it was that we were giving her kudos for how well she was handling things. I think at the time there was like uh, rumors about the divorce or whatever. And so she kind of stepped in and was like, nah, get off Amon. He didn't do X, Y, and Z. They ain't this, right? So we gave her an applause, right? But recently though, some more things came up. Um, we're going to go to the clip real quick and then we'll come back on the other side. When Tiana Taylor announced in September 2023 that she and Iman Shumpert had separated after seven years of marriage, jumped on the news and made a red flag video. But just two months after the announcement, we found out Tiana wasn't being entirely truthful. The lies, the lies, the lies. Not only were they separated, but their divorce was already in process. After combing through the court documents, we discovered that their breakup is messier than anyone could have ever imagined. So, yeah, I guess, you know, we thought that they were doing a great job of, you know, in the relationship amicably, but then apparently, like, the utilities got cut off because I guess Iman had them cut off, but she was still at the crib. You know, she let us know that for sure, you know, they're good. Things were turned on immediately. But uh, one of the things I liked about what she said, though, was she made a point to try to keep this private. So when she initially filed the paperwork, which was done, like, over a year ago, it was using their initials. It didn't become public until somebody, and that's somebody being Iman, right, filed, I guess, a response to the to the complaint and she put he put their real name and so then it became public so for her she's been trying to deal with this amicably i think she's handled it like a g but apparently aman is having a tougher time and normally it kind of feels like we put that on women in regards to who's having a tougher time with the divorce especially when it seems like one side wants to be amicable about it which is typically the man but in this case it's starting to sound like it might be the other way around so what are your thoughts in regards to just how people may have intentions to start one way but then find themselves going down this road or or even the role reversal, right? Because Loki, I feel like we had a couple of stories that was like role reversal too, right? We, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, what do you think about the role reversal here, where it seems like Amon is the one that's making this uh, separation a bit more difficult? So, I know, like you said, we talked about it last thing, and so I thought it was great initially, right, that she was doing this amicably because, like you said, women are often casted in a negative light. We're normally the ones that are bringing the drama to the situation. And as a matter of fact, at the time, I was like, "Wow, if more couples could um, divorce like this, then can you reckon? Can you understand how that's better for their children? You know, if kids are involved, how that will actually assist the children because there's no hostile battle. And um, then when this Role reversal occur. I was like, hmm, fascinating. And the first thought I had was, does this qualify as sassy? And And then, being who I am, I said, I want to go and read because it's now available. I want to go and find out exactly what the grounds for divorce. And so um, it turned out when she initially filed, she filed for cruel treatment. So cruel treatment entails, I'm going to read this, willful, persistent infliction of unnecessary suffering, either mentally or physically, to such an extent as to render cohabitation dangerous and unendurable. She also claimed he was narcissistic and engaged in, in multiple claims of infidelity. And when I read that, I was like, oh, now it makes sense. This is why 
he's having a problem with this because if he was truly narcissistic in nature and their most of their relationship was him being supposedly and I'm saying allegedly so let's make sure we put allegedly on there mm-hmm. um cruel and um emotionally and mentally abusive then it would make sense why he having a problem with this because how dare she leaves him because it's all about him so of course he's going to be sassy in this case. And so, but let me stop because I actually don't believe that should qualify as sassy because he's a, he's allowed to have emotions and to automatically call somebody sassy because they have emotions is technically doing a disservice to both men and women. So regardless of that, I do find that the role reversal is interesting that he's the one who's been basically the messy bitch and that he's the one who's um, initiating. And you can say, hey, is he fighting for the relationship? No, he's not fighting for it. What he's doing is putting all the information out on Front Street for the most part when she tried to keep it secret and low key. And unfortunately for him, this is actually going to come back and bite him in the butt. Because while he's claiming his counterclaim is that he's he this things didn't occur, he's defending himself. But I don't know. I don't know. It's looking pretty suspect because she tried to keep it low key almost to protect him. It seemed like to protect him and her and even the kids. And he didn't care about that. He didn't care about protecting even his own image per se or his family image or what the kids may see and read in the future. So I don't know. You know, so I think what can be difficult about divorce is that you have two different, you know, obviously I haven't experienced that, thank God. So I don't know for sure. But when you kind of see it play out and you hear, you know, my parents divorced or so on and so forth, you realize that sometimes people just grow apart. Um, You know, they don't have that commitment to each other anymore. Right. Um, There's a lot of different reasons why people can, you know, decide to move on in the relationship. I do think there's a larger conversation to be had about, what we deem as justifiable reasons for divorce, right? Because even when we're having that Tia conversation, <clears throat> mm-hmm. people might say like, well, he didn't cheat on her. He didn't beat her. So that's enough, right? So as long as he don't cheat on you, he don't beat you, then you should stay in a relationship, right? I want to know like what's the benchmark, right, for people being able to leave a relationship and not be looked at a certain type of way, right? Um, but in this particular case, you know, I'm kind of confused because with her, I thought she mentioned that, no, it wasn't some cheating shit. Like when she actually spoke up the first time, I think she was caping for Iman, right? She was trying mm-hmm. to say, hey, you know, he's allowed to be outside doing his thing. So maybe she was speaking to where the relationship was at that time because I think people were coming at her saying, girl, he outside, right? But then it seems like in the divorce proceedings, even though she did keep it or try to keep it, you know, confidential, um, if I'm not mistaken, they were kind of in a open type of relationship, right? Like they were able to have sex with women either together. I don't know if that was necessarily a part. I knew that was one thing that made her even that much more attractive. I said, oh, wow, that's pretty cool of her. You know what I'm saying? Right. That was, and that's good for him, right? So, you know, now you're mentioning infidelity. And, and I do believe it is technically infidelity if your agreement is to kick it with each other and do things openly, you know, and, and so forth. But then if you do your shit on the side, that still to me would be infidelity. But it's a harder case to necessarily, you know, sell to me because you already kind of have this existing situation. And either way, then that's even more foolish on his part because, bro, like you had the best of both worlds and you're still moving out here, you know, goofy like, right? So I do think that's one of one part. The um the cruelty part to me is kind of tough. I mean, I don't know how you necessarily quantify that. Like if somebody like her who's constantly working, constantly moving, comes across as a boss chick or whatever, sometimes you have boss conversations that may be a little gruff. 
right? I think sometimes women want the position of power, but then want to cower when there's like a little tete-a-tete, right? To a certain extent, because voices do get raised sometimes, right? Conversations are had. So I just kind of think it's interesting that she would put that in her paperwork. But if that's true to her, and I'm not sure what state or what the proceedings are, but obviously she's ready to leave the relationship. And now, oh boy, is getting a little catty about it. It seems that way. I don't think that he purposefully filed the paperwork to, to bring their name out. I just don't think he was thoughtful enough in terms of moving surreptitiously like she was, right? I do give her credit for that because I think she wanted them both to separate amicably. But when feelings get involved, right? Because here's, here's an alternate narrative to what you said. Let's say she is lying. Let's say she decided she wanted to move on with somebody else or she's just tired of that nigga because he no longer played for the league. Like he's not bringing any money. He's having a tough time adjusting from being an NBA player and finding his way, right, to a career, so on and so forth. Yes, maybe that breeds some level of insecurity. Maybe that does come across a certain type of way. But for some men, when we get married, it is for happily ever after. Our thought may be that no matter what we go through, we're going to be able to work on it and work through it. But then you decide you no longer or want to, right? And sometimes it's flip, right? So the other person is dealing with a level of rejection that is 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 a double whammy. It's not like you're just breaking up with the girlfriend. You're breaking up with your wife who you've made a commitment before God and your family to. You have kids involved, right? So I'm going to give them both grace. I'm going to give Amon some grace, right? Because who knows what he's dealing with. We don't know what the truth of the situation is, but he's clearly acting out or acting in a way that he seems like he's aggrieved. Also, and he did, you know, deny some of these charges. So I do understand that when people get emotional, it sometimes can cause them to do things that would be outside their character or outside of what they would want to be perceived as doing. So lastly, I just think it is a bad look for Iman because sometimes you just got to keep a player. You know what I'm saying? Like as men, we're expected to be able to deal with these things a certain type of way. And I don't necessarily agree with all the restrictions they put on us as men. I do think you should be able to emote. I think you should be able to heal and go through your process. It does not have to be in public, y'all. We do not have to do these things publicly, right? So I do I understand that like, hey, men should be able to cry on their phones, on Instagram, but why, why would I advise any grown-ass man or adult to do that in the first place, right? So I do want to give him space and grace to deal with it, but I would just say, bro, like, still keep it player. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got kids over there, so you turn off the utilities like your kids don't need it. I mean, of course you can get it turned back on, but that's just fucking petty, bro, if that shit is true. Right. There is a certain level of petty that I think, you know, in these type of type of times we have to elevate even more. You know what I'm saying? Because obviously if she's the one that made this move, she doesn't want to be with you anymore. Stop giving stop giving people ammunition to validate the decision after they made the decision. Right. Like, let's say if none of that shit was true. Right. But now you're acting like this and that person can say, see. See, this is the reason why, right? Nah, if it was me, I'm going to leave Super G. It's going to be so Super G that you're going to want me back. You know, I'm going to fuck your head up. Oh, sure. Yeah, you want to go ahead? Yeah, no problem. When do you want to file the paperwork? You know, hey, matter of fact, listen, we can meet together. Look, this whole thing can be amicable. Like, you about to get a whole different level from me, right? Because you're going to start wondering, like, well, how, how come he doesn't want me back? Does he have somebody else already? Yeah, I'm that, that's the type of shit I would do, okay? You know what I mean? I ain't trying to be toxic, but you ain't going to see me sweat out here in these streets. That's what's not going to happen. You know what I'm saying? Shit, I'm just crying in the car before I sit there and start, baby, baby, please. Not on IG Live? No, not on IG Live, not on IG Dead, okay? The only way you're going to catch me on IG Live crying is if I'm IG Dead, okay? So listen, we wish them nothing but the best. We hope that people can learn and grow from it, but 
divorce is a tough thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's, I'm, I'm imagining there's counselors out there that can maybe help people emotionally navigate divorce because I do think that needs to be something. It is a major life event, especially if you've been married for a while and you have kids and so on and so forth. So I think we just expect people to deal with divorce like in the best way possible. So we give them grace for that. But at the same time, it's okay to call out that sometimes your behavior can be so bad that it affects your family, it affects your kids, it, it affects your brand, right? There's a lot of things that can be affected by your petulance and your inability to emotionally regulate yourself and have some level of emotional intelligence and be able to seek the help that you need, right? It's already tough. Why make it tougher is what I'm saying. So we wish you nothing but the best, but that's pretty much all I got on them. All I would say is hurt people hurt people, right? So he's hurt, he's hurting. So he's hurting back. He's retaliating back. And, um, but I'm just going to throw a little toxic in there really quickly. And I know you're going to push back, but I'm just going to throw a little bit And say that. So when men say 80 percent of women file for divorce without knowing the the (laughs) inside and outs of the relationship and assume that they're filing for divorce for because they just want to be happy. Um, If you think about some of the claims that were made as far as like irreconcilable differences, which actually cover a bunch of things in this case, she ended up changing it from cruel treatment to something else. I forgot exactly what it was. And um, but I just want to note. That technically we don't know what was happening in that relationship and as evident by how this particular man behaved and as cutting off utilities for with his kids in the house. Um, we don't that could like Nick said, that could validate some of the things that she was claiming in the first place and which may have led to that divorce. I'm just saying, so for that crowd, they'd be like, eighty percent of women fall for divorce because they want to be happy without recognizing there are other circumstances and other reasons that does not necessarily involve infidelity or whatever the case may be, that actually may lead to them filing for a divorce. So I wish them the best. I hope they can work it out. I hope it goes back to be amicable because like it started off this way, the kids didn't know anything was happening and now the kids do know something is happening, but I'm going to land there with that. Okay. So you were being toxic because there's no way, right? Actually, I want to thank you for being a little toxic, right? Because- It's a little bit. Yeah, no, no. Because it gives me a chance to kind of- Call back to something we spoke about earlier, right? So for every Tiana Taylor that you may have out there, some people will argue there's a Tia Maori, right? So last True. episode, a couple of episodes, I gave her grace, right? Just more so from the standpoint of her figuring things out and all the other kind of stuff. But you reminded me, right? She made comments about like the whole graduation thing. I think, you know, the way it comes across in her case that she is one of those 80% of women that the guys are talking about. Right. She comes across exactly as now, again, we don't know the ins and out. Maybe she gave that nigga grace too, but I think he had came out. I was like, no, I didn't cheat, which kind of brings a question. And maybe we'll talk about this on another pod, but what is a justifiable reason for somebody to leave? I feel like people think cheating and maybe domestic violence is, is, is a line and that's it. So as long as he didn't do that, <clears throat> she should have stayed with him. So I'm just pushing back on your pushback or, or maybe it wasn't pushback at all, but you know, the toxic, it's I'm fast. adding a little toxic to your toxic. And that, unfortunately, people have an argument on paper in regards to Tia Maori being one of those women who might have left her husband because she was not happy, right? And so I think there still could be an argument for those guys. I just think when people say these numbers about, you know, 80% of women do this for this reason, I mean, I think there's a legitimate concern there. I think there's guys have a legitimate concern that women will leave marriages and relationships, right? And just simply because they're not happy. That's a legit thing, and we're in a culture right now that you know that speaks to instant gratification, um, that messes with your self-esteem, social media, so on and so forth. So that's a legit claim. So listen, fellas, right? Even though I think some of y'all are losers, most of y'all are losers, 
because y'all attack people without really knowing their particular story, right? Especially it looks like it's mostly women, barely do it to men to a certain extent, right? Very one-sided in that way. So yeah, I'm going to shoot at y'all. But in terms of guys having legitimate, and I say this all the time in previous episodes when I'm having these conversations in real time, if y'all watch the entire clip, that there is legit concerns for men and Tia Mari from some of them is a poster child for that. So while Tiana Taylor has come across as a woman who is emotionally handle things at a very high level, I think those men, and even I would agree with them, that she is rare. She is not common in terms of how she's not only handled herself, but how she continues to handle herself. So just because she's the rarity of it all does not mean that she gets to be the poster child, right, either, right? So we can say that, that nobody's really the poster child, but I think both of them tend to serve as poster children in regards to some of these arguments that we have. So fellas, it's a rare one, but I'm agreeing with y'all. There's a legit concern here. Pushback. Okay. The 80%, the 80% that they talked about was they actually identified the top five reasons for the, um, the 80% of as far as why women leave the relationship. And I, like I said, number one was irreconcilable differences, but a lot of things can fall under irreconcilable differences. Number two was like cheating. Number three was domestic violence, which you also covered as far as infidelity and cheating, but that 80% cover multiple reasons, not just because they weren't happy. So when they throw that number out there, they're throwing that number out there without recognizing the other parts of that that represents in that number versus saying that 80% of women file for divorces for a myriad of reasons. They say 80% of women file for divorce because they're not happy. Well, and I that's where that. my concern is. No, okay. So I, I, I heard men say that 80% of women initiate divorces, which I think we both can kind of agree. Yes, that's factual. Agreed. That's factual, right? Yes. And then where the argument kind of devolves, it's like the reason for a divorce, yes. right? And so uh, I agree with you there, right? Some states have different reasons for divorce, right? So it's very hard to get aggregate data to that to that point. However, just the 80% is enough to scare people. Just the 80% enough, right? Because it's like, damn, that number is so lopsided, right? In terms of it being mostly women who are doing this, and then you can explore the reasons why, right? And then there's a plethora. But I think just that 80% is enough. So most, and, and to be honest, if you told me 80% of something happened more from one side, that's legit to be concerned about why is that happening more on one side? Does it speak to just how horrible men are that women have to be one to escape us? Does it speak to how committed men are versus women when it comes to powering through our, our, our dissatisfaction in the relationship, right? So there's different ways to read that number. But however way you read it, it is still lopsided like a motherfucker, right? Okay, I will look and, at her with that. And so people have to try to figure out why that is. But the fact that it's 80% initiation is where I think guys who are predisposed to be fearful of the worst case scenario, right? Who may be predisposed to, to question marriage. The only way that we get people to like move past their fears is to address it, to acknowledge it, I think, in my humble opinion, to make it seem like they don't have any credible uh, concerns is a lie. They do, especially when you think about the power dynamic, usually being on the man's side, making the most money, being on the man's side, the custody of the child, being on the woman's Like there's a lot of stuff that <clears throat> structurally is a disadvantage to men. So when you add to that, right, that a woman can is, you know, eight times or eight out of 10 times more likely or whatever to be the one to initiate divorce, that's a legit concern. And I agree with you that the reasoning for that could be a myriad of reasons. But nonetheless, though, we can't pretend like women don't be cruel to men. We can't pretend like there aren't women don't cheat also, right? So that's why the 80% number is so like mind-blowing to a lot of men, let alone those who are predisposed to have concerns about the state of marriage in America, in modern-day America. So, Roger that, and I'd agree. So 
keeping on with the depressed information, such as that 80% of women initiate divorce and the fact that divorces, <laughs> let me stop, um, technically marriage is no longer on the rise in certain communities. And to be honest, it's global. However, I know that we have, um, I just want to take a moment of silence if we can um, to recognize that Carl Weathers has passed away. And for those who's not familiar with him, he played in Apollo Creed, which I must admit was one of my favorite Rocky movies. And as a matter of fact, the only movie that I liked that was a Rocky movie. I'm going to be honest. And but not only was he the actor, he was also a director. He was a former football linebacker back in the day. And I think that he had an extinguished, a distinguished career that we should acknowledge. And so I'm just, I don't know, Nick, any thoughts? I was sad to hear this, the passing of Carl Weathers. And he did pass away at the age of 76 and he lives a long, fulfilled life, in my opinion. And so, but any thoughts from you? Um, You know, it's funny. I remember him from Action Jackson, if I'm not mistaken. I want to say that was him. It was like a, 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 a action movie that he was in, probably prior to the Rocky movies. Mm-hmm. I loved all the Rockies for the most part, especially the early ones. I thought Rocky, the first few were classics, um, and he was an integral part of that. I thought he killed it. Um, so kudos to him. Um, to me, you know, he was somebody who definitely uh, was, I saw growing up, you know, back then, and he, like he was a he was a man's man, like he was a brother. You know what I'm saying? And seeing him start Ashton Jackson, I think it might have been one of the first few movies where I might have saw a black man kind of starring in. You know, he was a young kid or whatever. But nonetheless, man, you know, uh, condolences, um, thoughts and prayers for his family and loved ones. Um, and so yeah, we'll do a quick uh, moment of silence, and then um, you know, we'll, we'll go from there. All right. All right. Thank you for that moment of silence. So be sure to like, follow, subscribe, and share. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> what happened? I was going to say something else. <laughs> uh, okay. But we <laughs> yeah, this is going to make for great potting right here because we don't know what that something else was. We're about to end the show off. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say something else, but then I realized that it'll just, it's, it, it, no. It's okay. Okay, so listen, y'all. We really appreciate y'all for tapping in. Don't forget to like, follow, subscribe on all our different platforms. We really appreciate y'all for tapping in with us. But we got to get up out of here. Yeah, this has been a little bit longer than I think we anticipated. But thank y'all for staying with us this long. All right, we out of here. We'll see you next week. Same place, same time. And uh, like I said, don't forget to like, subscribe, and follow. Peace.